Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Tonight we're going to begin a study tonight, a new study. We finished the book of James last week, last Wednesday night. We're going to begin a study of the book of Titus. Titus, whoa, Titus is a rather obscure individual and rather obscure book. But tonight we're going to begin that. And I want you to know that God has a plan for your life. Okay? And his plan, he offers us opportunity after opportunity to step into the plan. And even if we don't, he'll just right down the road offer us another opportunity. You know, day by day, in fact, the book of 1 John in the first chapter in verse 9 says that we need to, you know, confess our sins to God, our errors, our faults. And what does God do? God is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful and just. He cleanses us. What does that mean? That means that he puts us right back on track and gives us another chance. Isn't that great? God is the God of a second chance. God is the God of a third and fourth chance. God is the God that's going to keep on giving us opportunity to step into his plan for our life. He has a plan. It's a good plan. And no matter what we do, in fact, sometimes even when we throw ourselves off of the right road, do you know that God's right there offering us a gracious entrance back? Of course he is. Yes, that is the nature of God. And one day we will be secure as believers in that we will be put on the right road by him, never more to stray. Won't that be great? I love that thought. I love the feeling that I can trust God not only with my life now, but also with my eternity. Tonight, as we begin the book of Titus, we're actually going to start uh, with, with the message title, The Right Time. You see, there's a right time there's a right place and there's a right time. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us that there is a time for everything. There is a season for everything under heaven. There's a right time. And oh, the Bible even encourages us to make sure that we do not miss the day of our visitation. That we do not miss that right time. You know, there, there's, there's a right time. There is a right time for an acorn to open up. There is a right time for it. If it opens up at the right time in the right place, that acorn will produce its potential. And its potential is a forest. You know, I mean, it will, it will produce, I mean, one acorn. Uh, I, I went out to, in Lumberton to some property that I owned uh, yesterday, I think it was, or day before. I don't remember. I, I think it was Sunday afternoon. I forget the days kind of run together. It may have been Monday, but I think it was Sunday. I went out to Lumberton to some property that I own, and I walked out under one of the oak trees there. I have uh, uh, several huge white oak trees. And um, so many of you, especially you guys and, and ladies both, y'all been out to my place, and it's you know, those big old trees. And do you know that they, they, they produce acorns about this big around. I mean, huge acorns. But just because they're big and just because they're pretty doesn't mean that they will produce. They have to open up. They have to be given a chance, given an opportunity. Well, they were given an opportunity because I didn't mow for a while. <laughs> and so they had an opportunity. And I walked out under just one of them. I, I ended up walking under several of them. But just one of them, I looked and looked and walked around. And do you know what is under that, that, that oak tree? There are 
there must be 300, maybe 500 oak trees. They're about this tall. Uh, anybody want any oak trees, white oak trees, they grow real big. You know, you need, you need to come out my place and you can just dig up all you want, you know, before we mow. But, uh, but there's just, there's just, I, I looked and I marveled at my God. I even reached down and I, and, and, and I pulled up one of them and looked and there was that acorn underneath it with a seed that was broken in half and that little, that little shoot shot up and it was reaching toward the, 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 the sky. And I thought, man. How marvelous is our God that that acorn, given a chance, opening up in the right place at the right time, would produce a whole forest. Untouched, just the nature of God means that it is programmed to reproduce. You see, that's what our lives are like. Opening up at the right time in the right place getting the right nutrients, the right fertilize, the right cultivation. It's so important that we do. You know, because if we don't, can you imagine opening up at the wrong time, at the wrong place? All of the potential is wasted. There is a right time. What is the right time? Well, Jesus has already told us when we stepped on this side of the cross, it became a right time. And right now we are in a ripe and right time. Jesus said, look up and lift up your heads. You are in a very ripe harvest season. He was talking about the days we live in, that souls of men and women are ready. And if we can open them up in the right way, at the, in, in the right place, the right moment, they will reproduce. They will just absolutely flourish in the courts of their God. Well, We'll talk about that just a little bit more as we get into the message on the right time from the book of Titus. Uh, as you're turning to Titus chapter 1, uh, let, me, let me tell you just a little bit about this man named Titus, which we don't know anything about him except what the Apostle Paul wrote. I mean, there's, there's really nothing more about him. Isn't it interesting? He, uh, he's mentioned like 14 times in the New Testament. And he has a whole book named after him. So that's, that's, that's you know... That's, the, that's just a pretty big deal, all right? I mean, to get a whole book of the Bible, the New Testament, named after you is a pretty big deal. God understood when Titus was just a young man that, that he was going to make something, make an example out of this man. Well, uh, and Titus was a Gentile. Titus was not a Jew. Titus wanted not, not even a converted Jew that converted to Judaism and then became a Gentile. We know from Galatians chapter 2 and verse 3 that, 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 that he was a Gentile. Uh, the way we know this is because he was uncircumcised, okay? And that he was born of Greek parents. It says that he was a Greek. Well, Titus was won to the Lord by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 2 uh, and, and, in, and, in, and, in, and in Titus 1 uh, and verse 4 calls him his own son. He calls him... He's my son. This, this, this man, this is somebody that I led to the Lord. This is somebody that I discipled. It's somebody that I took care of. And, and Titus traveled with Paul, Galatians tells us. And, 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 and Titus um, uh, was, was at Jerusalem. If you read Acts chapter 15, okay, Titus was there whenever all of the, uh, the, the, the main heads of the church, Paul and Barnabas and Peter and James and, and, and John and Bartholomew and Nathaniel and all of the people there who were the bigwigs of the day, okay, whenever they were discussing what do we need to do in order to embrace the Gentiles into this Christian faith. 
You know, should we make them be circumcised? Should we not make them be circumcised? What do we do? And James, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, which was not an original uh, disciple of Christ, he just stood up and he said, as the pastor, he said, this is my decision. He took, he, he took authority as the pastor and he said, this is my decision and this is my counsel. This is what we'll do. And he said, okay, tell them to do these three things. And it was all of that argument was most likely over Titus. Because if you read all about Titus, Titus had gone with Paul and he was uncircumcised and he was a, 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 a Gentile and Paul took him with him to Jerusalem for that counsel, uh, probably by the hand of God and knowing that it was going to incite a little bit of you know, um, a, a, a conversation. But Paul wanted to show that Gentiles are being converted, that Gentiles are saved, that Gentiles have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that Gentiles are, 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 are embracing Christ as Lord and Savior, and that Jesus is saving Gentiles. So he took this Gentile with him to Jerusalem and wouldn't you know it, some men came in and the Bible says, I love this the way it reads in the King James, and they spied them out privily. <laughs> that means they, they went in, I'll tell you what it means, when they went into the bathroom and they looked around to see who was circumcised and who wasn't. That's what it means. Why? Because they knew that the Apostle Paul had been preaching to Gentiles. And they knew that some people had come with Paul and Paul was about to go in and talk to the church leaders about Gentiles receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior and receiving water baptism and receiving baptism of the Holy Spirit and receiving Holy Communion and, and, and being a part of a, of a full functioning church. And, and these people didn't like this. These people were saying, no, you have to first be Jews before you can be Christians. You have to convert to Judaism and then you can become a Christian because only Jews can be Christians was the argument. The Apostle Paul was saying, no, you don't have to become a Jew to become a Christian. And he took Titus to prove it. And when they looked around and saw Titus was not circumcised, the Bible says that, boy, they began, I mean, uh, you know, you can read it in the Word, okay? It, uh, it, it, it caused a mighty stir, by the way. In the book of Galatians, you can read about it. And also in Acts 15, where James settled it. And that question has been settled ever since. And um, Titus was a man that, that the Apostle Paul sent off to represent him. He would send him off to, to, to be an ambassador of his. And uh, he also, uh, uh, the, the Apostle Paul, uh, one time was, 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 was so concerned about where Titus was, he couldn't find him. And, 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 he, and, and, and he wrote to the Corinthians and said, you know, I, I'm, I, I don't know where he is. I, I'm, I'm looking for him. Where is he? And then whenever he found him, he, he, in his writings, he said, oh, he has comforted me. He's brought in. He's comforted me. I'm so glad that I found him. I'm so glad he's okay. You know? and, and so the Apostle Paul was very concerned about him. And, and uh, the Apostle Paul left Titus, as we're getting to the book of Titus, Titus had traveled with the apostle Paul for many years and he was a faithful servant, a faithful follower, a faithful supporter. He did what he was asked to do. He, he, he stayed in the yoke. He stayed in the harness, even though others didn't, he did. And it came to the place where the apostle Paul needed some help with some churches on an island called Crete. You know that island. It's about it's a large island halfway between Syria and, and Malta. Right? And it's a large island there in the Mediterranean. It's so large that it, it, it boasted in that day of a hundred cities that it had. And so the Apostle Paul had had occasion to stop by there. And also some of the people from Crete, some of the Jews from Crete, 
They're called Cretans. They were in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. You remember? But because the Cretans heard everybody speaking in their own language and declaring the wonderful works of God. Yeah. And so they took the message of, the, of, of Jesus Christ back to Crete. And then Paul stopped by there and encouraged the church. And then it came time for, for, uh, for them to bring some structure to the church. The church, people were saved, but were there, there was no structure. Because the people in Crete were a certain type of people. They were kind of, well, they were interesting people. Okay? The people in Crete, uh, according to the Apostle Paul here, he's writing this letter in, a, in about A.D. 63, 64. And he's going to tell Titus, I, I left you in Crete so that you could set things in order. You can bring structure to the church. And so you could ordain elders in every city. I want you to set things in order. I want you to establish structure in the church. Church has to have structure. The church has to have order. I want you to establish order in the church. And I want you to establish elderships and leaders. I want you to establish a, 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 a ruling body in the church. So that the church can have leaders, ordained leaders, established uh, um, bishops. That, thou madest or, that, that, that you might ordain elders in every city because a bishop must be, you know. He, I want you to look around for people who are blameless, is what he's going to tell him. We'll get into that a little bit later. And I want you to ordain them and put some structure to the church. You know, a church, like anything else, has to have structure. There has to be order in the house. Yeah, uh, let all things be done decently in order. Everything needs to be done, but it needs to be done decently in order under the structure and under the leadership of the church. And that's what the Apostle Paul was concerned, is the people in Crete weren't real structured. Okay? Didn't mean they didn't love Jesus, but they weren't real structured, and there wasn't a lot of order, and there was no real leadership established so that there were no real decisions that could be made. It was kind of a free-for-all. Okay? Let's just get together and see what God wants to do. Okay. Uh, so while the apostle Paul was sending Titus there, he warns Titus. He writes a letter to him, and we're, we're going to read that letter uh, over the next few weeks. But when he's writing this letter to him, uh, he, he warned him that he had a pretty hard job ahead of him. <laughs> in fact, he says in, in, in verse 12 of chapter 1, he says, Even one of their own men, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, even one of their own men, even one of the Cretans, a prophet from Crete has said about them, these people of Crete are liars, cruel animals, <laughs> and lazy gluttons. Oh, my goodness. Hold on a second. He's sending, he sent Titus down to talk to a bunch of lying Christians, a bunch of Christians who didn't keep their word, who said one thing and did something else, had no integrity, you know, couldn't, could, couldn't, uh, you know, uh, couldn't live up to the promises. Isn't that amazing? I'm sending you down there to, to, to look around and see if you can find some people blameless, to see if you can find some people that we can ordain as leaders. But I won't let you know that even their own prophets say that they are liars. <laughs> even their own prophets are saying that, 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 that they are cruel animals, that they are, they're, 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 they're of the basest sort. What does that mean? That means that they, they, they need some civilization, Okay. They're, 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 they're like, they're, they're, they're just, you know, they, they need some structure. They need to be taught how to be civilized to one another. And they're lazy. And they're just feeding themselves. Okay? 
My goodness. Verse 13, the, the apostle Paul followed up by saying, this is true. <laughs> this is true. My goodness. You know, uh, how would you like to be a pastor and, 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 and the call of God come to your life? Or else you come to me because, you know, you're, 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 you're one of our associates. I said, I'm, I'm going to send you, okay, um, you know, off to some, you know, I don't know, Pleasure Island, you know, off some island, I don't know, somewhere else, not there, okay? I'm going to send you somewhere. And by the way, when you get there, you bring some structure to this thing. You set things in order and you look around. If you can find anybody that's worthy, you put them in charge, okay? Because we've got to have people in charge because these people need some help. Because every one of them, you're going to find liars. You're going to find a bunch of Christians down there that are liars. They're cruel to one another. They're just like a bunch of animals, okay? And they, they, they are, are, are just lazy gluttons. They just sit, sit around all day slothful and doing nothing but just feeding their own bellies. You might go, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I want to pastor, but I don't want to pastor there. <laughs> I want to evangelize, but I, don't want to, I want to teach, but I don't want to teach there, you know? Well, he said, this is true. So he said. This is the Apostle Paul as he's sending out this young minister for him. He said, so reprimand them. Oh, my goodness. Reprimand them sternly. Oh, my, 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 my. Wait a second. I'm going down to win friends and influence people. No, you're not. You're going down there to set things in order. Okay? And when you get there, you're going to find some Christians that need to be reprimanded. Now, reprimand them sternly to make them strong in faith. If you'll be honest and straightforward with them... It will make them stronger. If you lie to them, it'll just make them weaker. If you coddle them, it'll just make them weaker. But reprimand them sternly. Now, he's going to tell him how to do this, by the way. He's just not saying go down there and fuss at them. He's not saying go down there and just, you know, uh, point out all their problems. He's not saying that. He's saying go down there and bring correction to them. The aim is correction. The aim is not destruction. The aim is not, you know, getting on to them. The aim is not, you know, uh, 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 pointing out the problem. The aim is bringing solution. Okay? Did y'all know there was that much in the book of Titus? Isn't that interesting? I mean, how many times have we skipped over poor little Titus? You know? Well, let's, let's begin our study of Titus by beginning in verse 1. Reading from the New Living Translation. This letter is from Paul a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, let's stop there just a moment. Slave. This word slave means bondservant. It's a particular kind of bondservant, a, a, a doulos. That's the Greek word. It's the type of bondservant that, that, that Moses was talking about. Uh, if you were to read in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 12 through about 18 you'll find out that the apostle uh, Paul is, is, is drawing off the Old Testament. He doesn't have a New Testament. He's drawing off an Old Testament concept. And this Old Testament concept says this, that when a man has served you, when a man of your own kin, when, a, when, a, when, when another Jew who is a servant has served you for seven years, you set him free. And you don't send him out empty-handed. You give him enough so that he can have a start in life. He served you faithfully. And a servant has, has, has cost you half as much as a worker would. And he's done twice as much work. You can read it in Deuteronomy 15. That's exactly what it says. 
Send him out. He said, but if the servant says, listen, I am your servant. I don't want to go. I don't want to go free. By my choice, by an act of my will, I want to serve you. At disregard for my own personal pursuits, I want to serve you. Then you take that servant and you take his ear and you take an awl like a big punch and you put his ear up against the post of your house and you take that awl and you boom and you pierce his ear. That's what Moses said do, okay? That means this, that that man will gladly wear a badge that of my own choice, I have become a bond servant. I am a servant of choice because of my master. That's what Paul said. Paul said, this letter is from Paul, a servant by choice. Someone who has volunteered to disengage from my own personal pursuits and I have offered my life as a servant. I am a servant by choice. Wow, that's a badge Paul gladly wore because his master, he loved his master. He loved Jesus Christ. He, uh, he wanted to serve and work for Jesus with all his heart, with all his life. He wanted Jesus to tell him what to do. He didn't want to just go around doing what he thought was best and doing what he felt like doing and following his hurts and following his dreams and following his failures and, and following his successes. He wanted to belong to Jesus. That's what that word indicates. That here in this place, it's used 114 times in the New Testament. It's a pretty important concept. Okay? Anything that's mentioned 114 times in the New Testament carries a pretty big play. Paul self-identifies himself as a slave, as a bondservant to Christ. Matthew, the 20th chapter, says it. And whoever desires to be first among you, whoever wants to be first among you, what does it say? Let him become your slave, dolos. Same, same word. If you want to be great, you become the servant of all. Hello? By choice. If you really want to be great, then you need to choose to be a servant, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You want to be like Jesus, you need to serve. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. I'm not just going around following my own dreams, my own desires, my own benefits. If you really want to be great, then the greatest you can be is to offer your life by choice as a servant and to serve. Well, uh, here he says, I'm a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Apostle. Boy, that word is so big, isn't it? Doesn't that word apostle seem big? But you know it's not. It's not. The word apostle is not big. It's really not. Okay? Apostle means messenger or someone that's sent with a message or an ambassador. That's what it means. It's, it doesn't mean this woo, woo, woo. It means sent. If I send you to the grocery store, you're an apostle for me. If I send you over to tell somebody to, you know, to, 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 uh, to, to, uh, to mow that yard, you're an apostle. You're sent with a message. That's what, I, that's what the word apostle means. Okay? 
Now, John 13, 16, the Bible says, Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant, a slave, a doulos, doulos, is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent, apostle. Nor is an apostle greater than the one that pimped him. <laughs> That's what the Greek word is, isn't that Granger? Pimpo. <laughs> I don't know where it comes from. I didn't take time to look it up, but I sure thought it was interesting, okay? <laughs> Isn't that funny? Is that funny to y'all? It's funny to me. You know, a slave is not greater than his master, and an apostle is not greater than the one that sent him. Pimpoed him. <laughs> 2 Corinthians eight twenty three. If anyone in, inquires about Titus, anyone wants to ask about Titus? Well, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if the brethren inquire about uh, or, or inquired about, or if anybody else like Silas and Timothy, any of those others, okay, I want you to know they are apostles of the churches, the glory of Christ. Many times we look and say, okay, there were, you know, there, there, there were just 12 apostles. No, the, the, uh, the, the Bible is filled with apostles, messengers that are sent. All the brethren were apostles. All these, you know, uh, all the people that traveled with Paul, when he sent them out, they were apostles. When the church sent Paul and Silas out, they became apostles of the church. Philippians 2, verse 25. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, but your apostle, and the one who ministered to my need. What does it mean? Now, the church there in Philippi had sent Epaphroditus to Rome to help Paul. So he was the, there, the church's apostle to Paul. But your apostle and the one that ministered to my need. You know, I mean, he's, he's my fellow worker, he's my brother, he's my soldier, but he's your apostle. The church sent him here. So he's, he's your sent one. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay, because I, I want to make sure that we understand here that, that there are the, this, the, this concept of apostle. There is one apostle of God. His name is Jesus Christ. There were 12 apostles of the Lamb. Okay? Minus Judas, I'll add Paul. Okay? There are many apostles of the Holy Spirit and many apostles of the church. Every time the church sends a missionary somewhere with a message and a mission, they are an ambassador. They are an apostle. They are someone who is sent. Okay? That is a reality of, the, of, of, of this particular word. So let's understand what the apostle Paul here is saying. This letter is from Paul. I am a slave of God and I am sent. I am by choice a bondservant and I am sent by Jesus Christ. He just identifies himself as an apostle of the Lamb. I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. Wow. That just puts him right up there with me. You know, okay. He's going to be on one of those chairs up in heaven somewhere. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth. The truth that shows them how to live godly lives. Now, listen to what he's saying here. I have been sent. And the reason I've been sent 
is so that I can proclaim, so that I can preach. That's what the word proclaim means. So that I can declare, so I can proclaim faith to those that God has chosen. I'm going to proclaim faith. I'm going to build people's trust up in the truth and to teach them. If I can teach them how to know the truth, then they will know how to live a godly life. I had a couple of experiences in my life that were a little spooky to me. One experience was the day that the Lord called me to preach and I walked down the aisle of the church and identified to the pastor that I've been called to preach. I, I all of a sudden felt like, my goodness, I can't do this. Who am I to think that I can preach? Who am I? I mean, I know me and I know that I can't do this. And God, there, there's no way I can do this to know. And I went home and began to cry and cry. I cried all the way home. I, I, I walked in the house and fell out on the couch and I just laid there and cried. Brenda was uh, fixing lunch and getting kids, you know, get, getting taken care of the kids. And I was just laying there boohooing and boohooing and boohooing. And I said, God, I'm so sorry. I have made a fool out of myself. And Lord, I have probably embarrassed you and God there's no way in the world Lord that you have called me to preach I have made a horrible mistake Lord I, I'm, I'm sorry Lord I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do Lord I, I guess I'll go back tonight and I'll tell those people you know that I, that I made a mistake and then I'll leave the church that's what I was going to say I, would, I, I was going to be embarrassed and embarrassed people leave I was going to you know I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to you know say I was wrong and I'm going to be embarrassed and I'm going to leave and I'll find another church and I will be a very good church member Lord the rest of my life that's what I told the Lord laying there 1979 and I said Lord I had a Bible on my chest. I just fell out. I got home from church and I fell out on the Bible. I just laid it on my chest. <laughs> it was a Bible my mom had given me when I was 16 years old. I took that Bible. I was all decided what I was going to do. And I said, Lord, you know, I, I'm just going to give you one chance. By the way, don't do this. This is a testimony, okay? It's a description. It's not a prescription, Okay. There's a difference in a description and a prescription. Don't base your life on testimony, okay? This is my testimony. It's not your testimony, all right? Um, every test has potential to be a testimony, but it's not a testimony until it is a testimony, okay? It's just a test. Uh, a, if you think you have a testimony, but you're still struggling with it, it's a test, okay? It's not a testimony, all right? It's just a struggle. A testimony is not a testimony until it's a testimony, okay? And if you don't have the victory yet, just hold on to it, okay? Because it's not a testimony yet. It is just a struggle, okay? And everybody has them. Here I said to the Lord, God, I'll give you one more chance. Don't, bother, don't, don't, don't try this at home. This is Bible roulette. You can, you, know, you, can, you can get hurt with this. I threw my Bible up and I said, God... I'm going to catch it up in the air, and I'm going to put my finger on a verse. And, Lord, if it doesn't tell me, Lord, that I'm, I'm, I'm called to preach, Lord, that I'm going back tonight, and I'm repenting, and I'm giving it up, and I'm going to just move. I'm going to go somewhere else. I caught that Bible up in the air, put my finger on the verse, and I came down, and I said, For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has called me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach the liberty of the captives, to recover the sight of the blind, and to preach the set of liberty of those that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That was my life scripture. That was my life scripture. The one thing that had been given me over and over and over. And since then, almost everywhere I've gone throughout the world, that scripture has been, has been given to me. And what, what a bold scripture. And I said to the Lord, and, and you know, I've gone to that place in Jerusalem, excuse me, in, in Nazareth, where, where Jesus read that 
that very place. I've gone there to where, where, where he read it, the very place he read it. And I've sat there in that little uh, uh, place. I've sat there, oh, two dozen times or more. More than two dozen times. And sat there and read that verse and said, thank you, God, for making it plain what you've called me to do. You have called me, Lord, to preach the gospel. I had to learn what the gospel was. I had to understand what he meant by that. Not by what I thought he meant, but what he meant by it. Wow, life scripture. I said, Lord, I may not be any good at it. I may fall flat on my face and you may not like it, Lord. But I tell you what, I'm never going to back up from this one. I have been called to preach. And, and, and if I don't, I feel like I, I would be missing God. You know? You're, you know, and when you're missing God, you can be, you know, condemned almost, or, or you know, it's, it's, it's almost like you can't do anything. It's almost like you're damned or something, you know? You know what I mean? Yeah. I've been called by God to preach, and I'll be damned if I don't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bad joke. We'll move on. <laughs> okay. I have been called to preach the gospel. But you got to find out what the gospel is. And that's what he's saying. He's saying here that, that, that when you teach the truth, it, it literally causes people to know how to live a godly life. A little bit later, I was, I was praying and I was seeking God. Two years later, on July the 4th in 1982, about two and a half years later, two years and eight or nine months later. I was praying on July the 4th, 1982, and I was saying, God bless your people. 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 That's, 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 that, 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 that's all I could say in that moment. I was having a spiritual moment, and my cry was, God bless your people. Please, God bless your people. Bless your people, God. And I heard the voice of God. And he said, I have blessed them. Now you go and teach them how to walk in my blessings. He said that to me two more times in dynamic moments like that in the last 40 years. He said to me, I have blessed my people. Now you teach them how to walk in my blessings. That's what this verse says. The apostle Paul said that, that I've been chosen by by God. I've been sent by Jesus. I'm, I'm an apostle. I, by, by choice, I've been sent to proclaim faith and, and, and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. It shows you how to live a godly, a victorious life. Verse 2, this truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life. When we preach the truth, it shows people how to live a godly life and it gives them confidence that they'll go to heaven, that they have eternal life. The truth leaves people with confidence. The truth teaches people how to be victorious. The truth, we're, we're sent to proclaim the truth that leaves people with victory and it leaves people confident. Okay? You ought to leave people better than you found them. People ought to leave saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. 
not, oh my goodness, I feel like I've been, no, the preacher done beat me up with sin. No, I'm going to lift you up with righteousness. The good news, not the bad news. You know what the bad news is? You're on your way to hell. You know what the bad news is? Uh, you're, going to have, you're going to have a lot of trouble in this life. You know what the bad news is? You're going to bury a lot of friends and family. You know what the bad news is? Sickness, worry, anxiety, poverty, lack, leanness, fear, oppression, terror. You're going to bump into a lot of it in this life. Disappointments, there'll be plenty. Betrayals, confusion, sleepless nights, devil trying to kill you and destroy you and things. Yeah, that's, that's the bad news. But I'm not called to preach the bad news. I'm called to preach the good news. The good news is, yeah, many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. The good news is you are more than a conqueror through him who loved you. That no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. For this is your heritage. Your righteousness is from God. Okay? Uh, the, the good news is he will never leave us and never forsake us. And we have to, as, as, as Paul is telling Titus, you're going to have to leave him with some good news. You got to. Because we're called to proclaim the truth. This truth gives people confidence. If you've given people the truth, if you've given people the gospel is what he's talking about. He'll say it just a little bit later, just that way. But what he's talking about here, as he will reiterate one more time, that it's necessary that you give people the good news. Because it's only the good news that has the power of salvation. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that will believe. Give them a chance to believe the good news. They won't get a chance to believe it if you don't share it. Amen. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. Verse 3, and now just at the right time. <laughs> That's where I got the message title. Just at the right time. Woo! Let me tell you, he comes just at the right time. Salvation, deliverance, victory comes at the right time. And, and, and he, he's talking about victory coming at the right time. That's what we bring. That's what he's telling here, Titus. Man, you are there at the right time. Now, just at the right time, he has revealed this message. What message? That word message is the Greek word logos. It means word. Just at the right time, he has given us his word. Oh, my goodness. The word which is able to build us up and give us inheritance among the saints in light. The word. The word. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. The word. The word, the word, the word. The word is not the word if it's not the word. You know, and just like Dr. David Shibley says, Dr. David Shibley wrote in his book and he tells me, he'll probably tell me again here just, you know, in the next, you know, few days or a month. He'll probably tell us one more time, all of us preachers. And Dr. David Shibley is, is, is one of the foremost ambassadors, one of the foremost apostles of, 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 of the church in these days and of the Holy Spirit that I have ever seen. He is responsible for training almost 
one million, between 850,000 and one million pastors in our generation that are alive today and are teaching and preaching the Word of God all over the world. I got an invitation today to go with his group to Nepal because I said I could not go to Nepal in April. They sent me another invitation today. Please go in June to, to teach pastors, to teach frontline shepherds the principles from God's Word. Now, Dr. David Shibley says, you know, your testimony is not the gospel. He wrote that in his book. What does it mean? That means issues and events are all wonderful and our testimonies open up people's hearts and give them a chance. They might be willing. My testimony will open up a heart and give people a chance to hear the good news. But I've got to plant the seed because my testimony can't save them. Only the word can save them. Issues, events, you know, experiences can't save anybody. It can make them open to hear the word. But then we have to make sure we give them the word. And that's what he's saying. And now, just at the right time, he has revealed this message, which he announced, which we announced to everyone. We tell everybody the good news. It is by the command of God, our Savior, that I have been entrusted with this work for him. God has entrusted a work to each one of us. What is God trusting us with? He's trusting that we will now in this time, it's the right time, that we will share the word, that we will proclaim the good news, that we will preach the gospel, that we will give people the word which will leave them with confidence and will leave them knowing how to live a godly life, how to live victorious, how to live above the problems that they will face. Preach the word. That's what he said to Timothy. One of the last words the Apostle Paul wrote on planet earth is found in 2 Timothy in the fourth chapter. Verse 2, Paul said, preach the word. Wow. What do we preach? What do we proclaim? What do we lift up higher than anything else? What do, what, what do we champion? The word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, Exhort with all long-suffering and teaching, but do it with the Word. Let me tell you, this is your favorite friend, okay? Take the Word. If you're struggling, take the Word, you know? If, if someone's situation in life opens up your heart, put the Word in it. Put the Word in it. Amen? God bless you.